Well, friends, I have a confession to make to you. I'm a doubter. So, when I was just starting college, I found out that somebody uh, connected sort of indirectly to my family uh, had cancer. Um, and this person was also the husband of a former youth pastor. So this was somebody that was close to me, that was important to me. Well, I had been learning in my classes and connecting with people about um, spiritual ideas. And so I had, I had this idea. I said, what if I were to fast and pray that this person would get better? And so that's what I did. And the person still died. And for years afterwards, I struggled to even want to pray. My way of thinking about prayer changed. I said, well, prayer doesn't really do anything. You know, God already knows what he's going to do. And so, you know, we, we pray because we're supposed to, but it doesn't really change anything. I doubted. Now, I still believed that there was a God that existed, but I wasn't so sure that he changed a lot of things for us, that he got really involved. And, and here's the crazy part about all this. While, this. while I'm having these thoughts, while I'm doubting the power of prayer or, or that God is that close to us, I'm going to a college that is a private Christian university. I'm studying to be a pastor. And I'm not even sure that God answers prayer. So, so now I have different thoughts about prayer. Now I have different things that I believe, but there are still days, as I'm now working as a pastor, that I wonder, what if I'm just crazy? What if this isn't true? I've devoted my whole life, I've, I spent seven years going to seminary very slowly. It's not normally a seven-year degree. I spent seven years going to seminary. Did I waste that time? I doubt. I have these doubts. But the good news from the Bible is that whatever we experience, whatever we feel, we can find ourselves in good company. So let's look at this story from the Gospel of John. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. But one of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. So let's talk about this story. What's happening here is this is just after Jesus has died and just after some people have gone to the tomb and found it empty, and Mary even had a conversation with Jesus, and she came back and told everyone, 
guys, the tomb's empty and Jesus is alive. And so here they are gathering in secret. Now, that might seem strange to you, but here's, I want to make sure you understand this, the context here. What's, what's going on? So what's happening is Jesus was killed, was executed by the Romans as a revolutionary. Now, you may have heard that he was crucified with thieves, and the word thief is not the best term to use here. Uh, people are not executed in this horrific fashion for stealing things. They weren't thieves so much as robbers or brigands or highwaymen. What I mean by that is they stole things by violently ambushing people on the road and taking them from them. And that is a crime that gets you executed in this way. So these people that Jesus was executed with were very possibly Jewish revolutionaries. See, there were people who didn't like that Rome had this enormous area of control, especially in Israel. There were people who thought, we would like to be our own free, independent nation. And the best way to do that is to chase them off with violence. And we can learn by studying history that there were other groups that formed. That there was this charismatic leader that would come up and people would gather around them and say, this guy is going to lead our revolution. And Rome more than once had had to violently send an army in and, and put a stop to these gatherings. And so when Jesus is executed, the understanding is that he was leading a revolution. So all of his disciples now have been following him for three years. They've given up their livelihoods. They've left their homes and they've been walking with him. And now they say, we're going to be executed as revolutionaries because everyone's going to say, those are the guys that were with him. They probably want to revolt just like he did. And so they meet in secret and they lock the doors and they're afraid. And that's when Jesus comes. And he reveals himself to them. But somebody wasn't there. Thomas. We don't know why he wasn't there. But here's something else that will help make sense of this story. You see, we often think of the 12 disciples. There were a lot more than 12 disciples. A lot more. And I can, I, I can point this out in a few ways. One... If we look at the book of Acts, they replace Judas as one of the apostles. And they set this criteria. They say, in order for someone to replace him, the person has to have been with us, traveling with us, for the entirety of Jesus' ministry. They have to have seen it all. So this means two things. One, that there were people traveling with them who hadn't been there for the entirety of the ministry. That's why they set that criteria. And two, from, with that criteria, they select two people. Two people. So, I mean, th think about that. From the, the available pool, they use that criteria to narrow it down to two. So that means there were, at the very least, 14 people from the very beginning. But we also know from when Paul talks about how Jesus appeared to people, he appears sequentially to more people. At one point, to over 500 people at one time. Now, those may not all have been the people following them, but all this to say, they had a lot of people. It wasn't just 12. There were a lot of them. 
And so it's understandable that when they are gathering, that not all of them are going to fit in this one room of this house. Also, this whole thing had become really disorganized and chaotic. You see, we, we learned from another story that a few of the disciples that had been following Jesus said, well, he's dead. I guess this whole thing's over. And they left town. They, they walked off to another place because they were heading home. They said, I guess we're done. There's no need to stay around. So it wasn't like this was the official Jesus followers meeting that was going on here. This was some people who had just spent the last three years of their life, had no idea what they were going to do next, had no idea if they were going to be chased down and caught and executed as revolutionaries, and they're hiding in secret saying, guys, what do we do now? I don't know. I'm scared. And so Thomas wasn't there. Well, let's see what happens next. So Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now remember, the others had seen that. It says that Jesus had showed them the wounds in his hands and sides. And so they probably told him, and he said, unless I see it myself, I won't believe it. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer, or stop doubting. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. So here you see it. Thomas doubted. He said, I know that Mary said she saw Jesus. I know that all of you guys said you saw Jesus. But listen, dead people don't come back to life. I know you want him to be back. I know we're all scared. I know we're all confused. But this doesn't make any sense. I don't know what you saw, but unless I see him, I can't believe that he's alive because I saw him die. And yet, when they gather again eight days later, there's Thomas. He didn't believe, but he was still with them. He said, you believe this, I believe that but we're still on the same team. We're still friends. We still spent the last three years of our lives together. I think that counts for something. And so he was with them. And it was in that community that Jesus reveals himself, that Thomas gets to see the truth, that Jesus is alive. So I don't know where you guys are today. I suspect some of you are like me. 
that you've grown up in the church, that most days you'd say, I, I believe this, but you have questions. Things that you aren't sure about. Maybe there are things that you want to believe about God, but you just say, I don't know if I can believe that. Or you have some days that you just wake up and you say, oh man, what am I doing with my life? This just doesn't, this, this seems crazy. Some of you probably didn't grow up in church, but you're here now. And maybe you're here because you do believe, but like those of us who grew up in church, you also have your days where you're not so sure. Or you have those questions that just you haven't gotten a satisfying answer to. Maybe you're here because someone told you to be here. You kind of don't have a choice. And you're not really sure that you buy into this stuff. But you were told to come, and here you are. Maybe some of you are here because you've got stuff going on in your life. And you remember people told you about God, and maybe you grew up in church, but you kind of left, or maybe you had a grandmother or a grandfather or an aunt, an uncle, a best friend who went to church, and you said, man, my life is just, it's not where I thought I'd be. I guess maybe I'll check out this church thing. And maybe some of you are here just to see what happens. Wherever you are, here is what I want to tell you. You are welcome here. You are welcome here. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to think the same things I do. Whether that's what we'll call basic questions of the faith, the basic ideas that we believe, like, is there a God? If you think differently than me about whether there's a God, you're still welcome here. If you think differently than me about what it means to pray, about who God is, you say, sure, there's a God, but I don't think he's like you do. You're welcome here. If you have doubts, those days where you're just not sure that you're not crazy, you're welcome here. If you have big questions, questions that you think, if I told somebody else, if I told somebody in the church about this, they would wonder if I'm saved. You and your questions are welcome here. You are welcome here. Whatever you believe. Just like Thomas. He was a part of that community before he believed what they believed. Because here, here's the truth, friends. I believe that just like Thomas, if you will be a part of our community, that God will reveal himself to you. I told you that I believe differently about prayer than I did. So here's what happened. My seminary training involved, uh, I gathered with a group of people. And we would meet alongside our other classes. 
and we would just talk about things. We would share. Share our experiences, talk about why we were in seminary. And we would have, at the beginning of class, a week where we would get together with those people and we would just experience things. We would meet together, we would pray, we would talk, we would share. And it was meeting with these people, I told them my story. I said, guys, here's why I don't feel comfortable with prayer. But we met together, and it was while we were meeting, while we were sharing, that I met God, that he showed himself to me in a new way. My wife, for years, has told me about her experience that when God talks to her, she hears it like an audible voice. And it was when meeting with these people, for the very first time, I heard that too. For years, I had said, well, you know, God speaks to people, but he'll, he'll do it in this way or that way, but I've never heard his voice. And now I have. It was during my seminary training that I went to Cuba, and I met with other believers who prayed very differently than I did. In fact, they meet every Monday night from 12 in the morning until 7 in the morning on Tuesday to pray. I can't even imagine praying for seven hours. But they do this every week. And when, when people are, are sick or hurting, oh, gather around and they'll pray for them. And when we went to visit with them, they wanted us to come and pray for the people too. And I saw some things I never had ever seen before. In the community. So this is what I'm saying. When you gather, when you are with people, God reveals himself. And so that's why I tell you that be you belong. That's why I tell you that you are welcome here. Because I want you to come. I believe that God will show himself to you if you will meet with us. And so I invite you to meet with us. To continue to meet with us. For those of you who are uh, long-time attenders, but for those of you who are new, I invite you to keep meeting with us. Because I believe that God will show himself to you. And so, as the worship team comes to uh, sing this last song, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of you and for those of you who are at home watching with us. Holy God, will you reveal yourself to us? We have our doubts, we have our questions. Like Thomas, we just aren't sure that we can believe what we've heard. Truth be told, it just sounds a little crazy sometimes. So God, will you reveal yourself to us so that we can stop doubting and believe? Amen. One, two, three.